0: Hey, big boxers. Welcome to On the Shelf, a program that is dedicated to helping you get your products into a major big box retailer. Tim here with you. So glad that you are joining us today. I appreciate you and the time it takes to listen to a podcast and review it and think about it and actually put into action the things that maybe you've heard. I hope that you will take a little bit of time this week to reach out to us, let us know how we're doing. Leave us a comment on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you listen to the podcast. We appreciate that, and it helps other listeners understand what you might be getting out of the podcast. Today is a great day. Today we have Tracy Postick on the program, and I thought it would be interesting. I met Tracy at an ECRM session. Not that I was actually attending the session, but the session was being held in Orlando, which is where I live, and Joe. Tarnowski was there, and you guys know Joe from the uh, Flash Topic panel discussions. And so Joe and I met up over dinner at the session, and he introduced me to Tracy. And what a story she has to tell. Tracy Postick owns the company Millie's Kitchen Creations. And I thought it was important that you guys get introduced to her and that you listen to her story, because the podcast that we just did, the uh, Flash Topic that we just put out was about what to do when things go wrong. And Tracy has not had an easy time of it. Her success today has come on a hard road, okay? And she's going to talk a little bit about that. And I don't think that there's anybody else out there better to tell you how to keep going, how to keep moving forward, how to keep making it happen. That it's not easy, but there is something at the end. And what's at the end is awesome. And she just has such a positive attitude. She's such a nice person. And she's such a smart businesswoman that I really think you guys are get a lot out of this podcast, a lot out of our discussion. And I can't wait to introduce you to Tracy. So let's get right into it. Hey, Tracy. Hi, T- how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to On The Shelf. Thank you. Thanks for taking a couple minutes out. Our listeners, which, by the way, we call big boxers, I mean, it has nothing to do with their underwear. <laughs> Don't know, but you and I recently met at a ECRM session. You were there doing business. I was strictly there to eat, So, but we had a good conversation.
1: Yeah, and that's the fun part is that actually uh, you got the fun part. You got to go there and eat, where I got to go there and uh, basically talk pretty much all day long and meet actually a lot of fun folks and also like yourself as well. So it's a great platform, especially some of your listeners, like you said, that are trying to get into certain on-the-shelf, as you say. It's a great platform to use, and ECRM is one of my favorite places to do. And again, it was one of the best opportunities because I got to meet you as well, which was kind of fun.
0: Thanks so much for saying that. Yeah, I mean, Joe was in town, and because a lot of ECRM sessions happen in Orlando, but not all the ones that he actually goes to, so the fact that he was in town for that one, yeah, it was easy for me to run out and spend some time with him. And then you happened to be there, which made it all the more of a great time. So we got to talking. And I think we talked for a couple hours, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. just a high and buy. But we talked about your business and we talked about some of the challenges that you have had. And I thought because the podcast that we just put out was a flash topic and it was on you know what to do when everything goes wrong. And if there's anybody I've talked to recently that really knows what to do when things go wrong, that would be you. And so I definitely want to get into all of those things and kind of how you've overcome adversity so many times. But before we do that, let's just tell the listeners a little bit about you, your company, what you do, and kind of what your goals are and what's happening in your life right now.
1: So my name is Tracy Postick. I'm the owner of Millie's Kitchen and then also Two Gals, which is my private label company. I'm actually located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am a foodie gal. i love love to basically just share I think food is fun and I like to share it to the world. I've been doing this for over twenty five years, and before I was this, I was a worked in the restaurant eighty hours a week, got tired of doing that, and kind of wanted to work for myself. I was a food broker, so food. For both retail and food service to restaurants and chains pretty much all over the place and decided that what I saw in the industry, I didn't like what I saw. I wanted to offer a better product and better items out there.
0: But when you say that you, I'm going to interject, when you say that you didn't like what you saw out there, what does that mean?
1: Well, what I saw, so a lot of my clients, when I used to be a food broker for both retail and food services, where you have multiple lines that you represent and you show it to different clients in like retail, food service, for schools, hospitals, restaurants, and so forth. It would be like, okay, I went to a food show and guess what? We're coming out with something new. It's a chicken tender. Well, there's nothing new about it. It's a chicken tender with a different uh, breading on it. This one has ranch or this one has ranch with blue cheese on it. It's just basically the same thing, just done 10 different ways. And there's nothing really new exciting about it. And the end user, which is the person in the back of the house or the restaurant or the retailer, they basically want something a little bit more that's healthy, multiple uses, that they can actually do something with. Not that it has one thing that sits and does one thing in their freezer, their refrigerator, or it sits on their shelf. And I just felt like the product, and a lot of the ingredients that were, if you look on the back of the label, which nowadays the consumers are actually looking and reading and educating themselves on the label, a lot of that stuff doesn't need to be on that label. Okay. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to put out my con queso cheese sauce. Well, it's all clean label. It's all natural, which nobody else has anything like that out there in the industry. And then what this does is I have it where you can go to my website where you can go one, two, three, that you can take my con queso and make a con queso mac and cheese, or you can add chicken to it, or you can make a cheese sauce or a beer cheese soup. I mean, it's all super easy and it takes like 15, 20 minutes to do it with.
0: So it's kind of like granules for eating.
1: Yeah, so like if you go into the grocery store, so a lot of these grocery stores on the back of the packages, they have a package and it's like, great, you eat this and I want to offer where you go into the grocery store or you go in the restaurant and say, hey, guess what? If you buy this, then you could do this with this package and that way then they can make multiple meals and do multiple applications with it and they're not just buying one product to it and do one different thing.
0: Got it. So when you were saying that you didn't like what you saw, it wasn't like you were seeing spider legs and food or anything. You just didn't like the fact that that nothing innovative. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, chicken fingers. Oh, it's got to... I totally get what you mean. So you were just looking for new, different, healthier, and you just didn't like the same old, same old.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, if you go into... I mean, for the breakfast category, I mean, for a long time, there's nothing that's really new and exciting, anything that you could really pump it up and say, oh my gosh, this is really cool what's going on in the breakfast category. If you went to the freezer section right now, pretty much the same stuff you've seen in there for years. Or if you went over to the meat and seafood department right now, there's nothing new. And these people, the gentlemen over and the ladies in the meat and seafood department, they would just love, love to be able to offer something different. Over in their section and say, Wow, this is something totally different and new, and be able to market in a different avenue. And this is something that I have now come to market and it's exploding. You're going to be seeing this in the next two to three months. You're going to see it all over the United States, which is pretty exciting.
0: All right. So, backing up just a little bit, so you got to the point where you were not liking what you saw. And so, what essentially you kind of just let the cat out of the bag, Tracy and her company. Millie's Kitchen Creations is blowing up all over the country, and you guys are going to be eating it no matter whether you want to or not, Big Boxers. It's coming to your house, so be ready. But as you were seeing that you didn't like what was going on, Like, how did you fix that? I mean, what was your thought process? You're a broker, and you're selling food to retailers and to restaurants that you don't like. There's nothing new about it. It's kind of boring. Mm -hmm. And so you decide to do what?
1: So I decided, so what I did is, and a lot of people were absolutely astonished and especially my family I actually quit my job and moved out of my house rented spaces for the last four or five years I've been renting I've lived in people's basements I've took everything out of 401 k out of my savings I've taken odd jobs here and there and I've spent every single dollar and everything in creating this company and one of the things that I've done is I took all the criteria and everything I've learned as being a broker when I was in the restaurant, when I went out to eat, what I saw, and even sitting in parking lots or going into like the grocery stores or in convenience stores. And I pretend I'm a customer and I start up conversations with the actual people next to me. It's like, oh, you know what? I've never been here. What is this? What's good in here? What do you recommend? Is this salad good? What do you like? And that's how I gathered information and decided how I was going to start developing in my line and what people were looking for and what they wanted. And then I asked friends around the country of different states and family members to do the same thing for me, which they did. And I collected all that inventory and intel and product and started to work on my line.
0: I know it seems on the surface like it makes sense, right? Oh, Ask people right. what they want and then give it to them. That seems so simple. But so many times I run into people that have created a product and then they're trying to create a issue for this product to solve. So there wasn't an issue there first. So they're trying now to create this issue for their product to solve rather than just going to people and finding out what it is they want. So it seems simple, but a lot of people don't do that. And so hats off to you for doing that. And then also, big boxers, I just wanted to take a second and have you put pen to paper and note that what Tracy just talked about, that's called going all in, okay? I So often, I talk to people that want to put a toe in or they want to put two toes in and they want to see, like, maybe I'm going to put my product in retail or maybe I'm going to pull it off the – or maybe I'm going to go to big box retail and do that and Amazon. But there's a difference between really going all in and trying something. And when everything is on the line – then everything's on the line. And it Tracy, sounds to me like when you're putting everything and pulling it out of your 401k and living on the jail cell of a basement in somebody's house, that's going all in.
1: And you know, one of the things that I really have to say is if you really want it to happen and you really believe in what you want and you believe in what you do, it will really happen for you. I can't tell you how many people that say that, you know what, I really want to do this. I have a great product or so-and-so said that I have the best salsa or I have the best or I have a really good barbecue seasoning or barbecue sauce and I should market that. Well, that's great that someone said that to you, but you have to believe that. If you don't believe 110% that this is the best thing and you're going to change someone's life and you're going to really make a difference. And people are going to just think, Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. And if you're not showing enthusiastic, and so off the top about this, then you know what, you're not going to get anywhere with it. And you have to, like you said, be on the line, you have to put all in. And it takes you're going to have to be the cheerleader. It's not going to be your husband, your wife, your daughter, your family. You every day have to look in that mirror and say, today's the day, tomorrow might be the day, it's the next day. But every day you have to look in the mirror and say, today's the day. I'm going to make it happen. And if it doesn't happen today, it's going to happen tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, it's going to happen the next day. You have to work at it and you have to put in the hours. If you don't, then it's on you.
0: And I think you talked about getting a lot of pumping up from family and friends. And a lot of times you get nothing from them, right? In fact, a lot of times they look at you sideways, right? Like, what are you doing?
1: Right. A lot of them thought I was crazy. right? And they said, you know what? You know what? That's not a job. You should. Some of the family, I mean, they want to support you at the very beginning. And then after a while, they said, you know, if it was really that great, then you would have already been in business. You've already been selling this. This would have been going. But sometimes it's just hitting the right person at the right time and hitting that right account. And again, I have to say, you have to be your own cheerleader. You have to believe in your product. If you believe in it, that one person will look at you and believe in you as well.
0: And that goes to big boxers sometimes. And I think we've talked about this on selling podcasts, but the first person who has to sell your product is you. And a lot of times suppliers, they get their product made and it gets to their house and then they start looking for somebody to sell it. My recommendation always is, and Tracy, you're a living example of this, is that the first person to sell your product has to be you because you're the one that has all the passion for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly right. I mean, if you don't have the passion, I mean, that's the one thing that I get all the time is when I'm sitting in the meeting and like at ECRM, for example, every time I'm sitting there in the meeting and or I'm in anywhere talking and showing and bringing my product to any retailer... And I'm talking about it, they say your face just lights up. You're so passionate about it. You get so excited and you talk and you just get carried away. And I said, why not? It's so neat. I mean, why wouldn't you want to buy it? Right. And they get excited. And if they get excited, if you're excited about it, they get excited. Doesn't matter if you've been saying it for two years. That is, every time you're in front of somebody, it should be like, it's the first time you're saying it. And it's the first time you're excited about it. It has to be that every time.
0: I agree with you. So to recap, Tracy was a broker, didn't really like what she was seeing. She decided to like cash it all in and go all in on her own business and come up with some food creations of her own that were amazing and clean. And like I said, the granimals of food where you could pair them with things. And then things just went massively awesome for you right out of the gate, right?
1: Oh, yeah. no, not right out of the gate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it didn't? I, what it, happened?
1: Yeah, so basically, I it took me a year. to have been in business for about five years, and the first year it took me for developing the concepts. and I wanted the, each product to interchange, and no matter where I brought the product, that the product could be sold to anybody, anywhere, at any type of business. Wherever I brought any item, that item could be sold. And one of the things was, my challenge was is finding a co-packer. So one of the things that I have to say is when you look to have somebody do the product for you, if you are a minority-owned, a woman-owned or minority-owned, make sure you get your certificates because they'll tell you when you want to get into those retailers. That is a very, very important thing, even in for the restaurants as well or chains. That's going to help you open up a lot of doors. So that's number one before you even start to try to sell it, try to get that in order. Two... A lot of it for the co-packers, make sure they have an SQ2. I'll tell you what, it was a learning experience for me. A lot of these don't have a lot of, they have an SQ2, but they're not up to speed. What's an SQ2? So there's a BRC, which is ready to eat. SQ2 is basically a level of a HACCP plan of a food insurance policy that means that they've meet special standards in the USD FDA government that will require for retailers like Supervalue and any of those larger Walmarts and all that stuff that would want to do business with you. You want to have an SQ two to an S Q three operation. If you do not have those certificates that show that you are clean that you meet safety requirements, food requirements, you are have a great hazard plan, you have great sanitations in place and food preparations and so forth that they will not do business with you. So if you're thinking if you want to go big, then you need to have a company right off the bat have an SQ2 or an SQ3. Then you have your BRC, which BRC is ready to eat. Those are okay if for C stores and so forth. So, I mean, it's a learning curve of depending what type of food you are and what you're going for and what type of business and how big you want to go.
0: Yeah. So let's be specific, too. Tracy's not saying that you personally have to have that. What she's saying no, is your co-packer no. needs to have that. And it's exactly. just like, you know, food or not food, big boxers. Exactly. Every factory that makes your product has to have a certain level of QA or be certified in a certain way. So it's important, no matter what you're selling, if you're wanting to go to big box retail, you have to find out what the certifications are. I mean, I've had in my not last nine years, probably 10 people come to me that want to do business with Costco and they have a cookie or a baklava or something that they love. And they're currently making it in their own kitchen. And first of all, they have this thought process that they're going to be able to keep up with Costco make it in their own <laughs> kitchen. Right, Tracy? We know that's not going to happen. So oh, you got to yeah. go find out, you got to <laughs> f- go find a co-packer that'll make it for you. But they have to have certifications because the last thing you want is to get the deal done and then find out that your co-packer doesn't meet the standards. So good advice there. And then secondly, Tracy mentioned minority-owned business. I didn't know you were going to mention that, so I don't have it off the top of my head, but we did do a podcast With a lady who was an expert in getting you certified, and she gave a lot of websites and information. So all you have to do is go. Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Well, you can do that too. But we did a podcast on that. And so, big boxers, if you're wondering about that, you can go back and search under minority, and uh, that podcast will come up, and all those websites will be on there. So, but Tracy's right. I've worked with several different companies that had the opportunity to become certified, and it makes all the difference.
1: Oh, absolutely. And whether you're minority, woman-owned and so forth, the more certificates that you can put under your belt, the better that you look. Sometimes that you not, like if you can't be a WBENC or a WBE, Women's Business Enterprises or something like that, you could do like a NABO which is a national business, just any of a certificates of a type of business that does that or any awards, you want to make sure you put that front foot forward because that just only helps your business in that sense. And then those SQ2s, if you know right off the bat that you don't want to just stay local, then right off the bat, make sure then you search for those businesses that are sq 2 you don't want to start right off the bat then with the company that's like a BRC or so forth, depending on your product. Again, correct, Tim?
0: Yes. Because
1: you don't want to switch mid midway and say, oh my gosh, I need to search for that because co-packers are very hard to come by, especially either you're too small. My problem was is getting off the ground and I'm going to lead into that now, Tim is part of my problem was is leading getting taken seriously. And also with my product line, either I was too big of what I was bringing to them, or I was too small. And part of the problem is, is bringing into a co-packer, they want existing business. Well, I have people who want to buy my product, but it's not made. And that's the part that you're going to find the biggest um, hump to get over is when you want somebody who wants to buy your product, but you're not currently in business. And being in the kitchen doesn't really cut it with these co-packers that want to take you on to get to that next level. And I don't know if you've done a podcast on that yet. Is how do you get to that next level when you've been working out of a kitchen to take a co-packer to take you seriously to bring you on to go to that next level.
0: Yeah, we haven't done a podcast on that. But interestingly enough, one of my very first clients nine years ago, He really did a ton of research and found multiple co-packers that could make his product. And and it was a process. So I think you're right. I think that's a great podcast to have, especially in the food industry. And how do you find a right co-packer and so forth?
1: Yeah, at another time, because that is a process. That's actually what took me the longest to launch my company. So for the last year and a half, it took me a year and a half going through about maybe, I must have gone through about 12 different co-packers. To try to find the right co-packers. I'm now currently have five co-packers I deal with through the United States. I currently have just sent my first one in April of a semi truckload of almost 3,000 cases to Canada in bulk, which is pretty exciting. And now I'm going to retail. I'll be opening nationwide with some pretty large retailers that I can't quite announce yet because we're going into in the next 30 to 45 days. But it took me almost three years to get there because of uh, different co-packers and meeting my needs from going to zero to 180. And a lot of that is just finding the right people that can meet your needs to make it to go there. I mean, I've gone to the point where I was distressed where I had a very large client that we got to the point where we're going to go sign on the dotted line for a very large seed store, and my co-packer backed out on me and cost me literally millions of dollars.
0: (laughs) Wow, so you're right there. You're at the table. The co-packer decides, I can't handle it, and pulls out. Then what then? What happened then?
1: Pretty much lost the business. I had to go back, and they said, well, we can do a third of the business. We thought we could handle it. I couldn't handle it. I had to spin it. And I said, that's when you have to really look at the client because the client, when you're dealing with that and you, they get in love with the product. I said, product was great. I know you loved it. I know we were ready to move forward with it, but I don't think with the industry, I see you have to spin it and how you're going to spin it is how you're going to do it. And I said, I don't think we're going to be on the ingredient level. I see that there's going to be a rise and that I don't think we're gonna be able to keep up on the ingredient level and I don't wanna put you in an imposition. So I think it's best if we don't go with this and let me see if we can't come up with something that is more feasible, that's more around. And they agreed to that. So I lucked out. But it's not always gonna be that way. So you have to actually think of how to spin it. You don't just say you don't wanna always place the blame on your co packer because at the end It's not the co-packer, it's you that's in front of the client, and you're the one who has to make sure that you can go back to that person, because they need to know that if you want to do business with them again, that they can believe and trust in you. And if they can't believe and trust that you can deliver, then they're not going to do business with you again.
0: Yeah, I think you make a really good point, because a lot of times you're going to want to place that blame oh hey my co-packer backed out on me but here is the really hard truth and big boxers if any of you guys listen to jocko's podcast he would tell you hey big boxers just a quick announcement from tlb consulting are you looking to scale your business this year are you looking to get your products on the shelf of a retailer this year Well, guess what? Booking a coaching call with me has never been easier. I know based on the past 10 years of working with clients that it can be difficult to be a solopreneur. It can be difficult to scale your business into territory that you've never been to. That's why I have opened up more slots this year than I've ever done before. One of my goals this year is to work with more clients, more solopreneurs, more big boxers looking to get their products into retail than ever before. I want to work directly with you and share my experiences over the last 25 years of getting products into retail. I want to share those experiences with you. I want to talk to you from a place of somebody who's been there, and I want to help you get to where I've gone. Like I said, it's never been easier. All you have to do is go to TLBConsulting.com, click on Consulting, and then choose the time or the bundle that you want and get it scheduled. Let's kick off 2020 with a bang. Let's get you the information that you need. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Absolute ownership, right? And when you're in front of a buyer you got to kind of take it on the chin and own up to that because if you try to pass the blame on to somebody else, then you're just going to look like an unreliable person to do business with. And so I think where you went with that, Tracy, is probably the best place that you could do is, you know what, we're right there, but the quality is not where I think it should be and I don't want you to put you guys in a bad position, so we need to hold off. That's taking ownership in, like you said, a little bit of a spin it way. Because if you would have walked in there and said, hey, my co-packer bailed on me, it just makes you look incompetent. And so, yeah, guys, so sometimes you can't place the blame. Don't look to the left or to the right. Just go look in the mirror. That's the person who screwed up. And whether somebody bailed on you, you created that relationship. So good advice there.
1: Well, and the other thing is when you do that, it also at the same time, you also said, hey, I'm looking out for you. And when you look out for someone else's business and they're like, well, thank you. You know what? It's like, I'm sorry. And at the very least, I want to make sure that you're taken care of. They realize that, oh, my gosh, this person is really looking out for my interest. That's a really, the really, really big thing. And that's what's really going to make them want to come back and do business. And actually, they actually said that, you know what, we really in the future, when you've got something ready, and it's all complete and ready to go, please contact us again is actually what they said. So I've got my new product that's coming out, and once it's all in the market for a month and we've got the kinks worked out, I'm actually going back to them, which will be really great to do. So that actually saved face for me and able to go back to them.
0: You're all in on this business. You're living on the cement floor. You have this business that you put together. You're in front of this buyer. There's millions of dollars on the line, and then in a day, it's gone. Of course, at some point, you picked yourself up, but how did you do that? How did you come back the next day and keep going after it?
1: Pretty much everybody told me after that that I should just quit and get a job.
0: A real job, right?
1: Oh, yeah, a real job. I said, that's really funny. I said, so let me ask you this. I said, a real job. I said, a real job. Could that real job turn around where I could get laid off? I could get fired. They could go out of business. There could be a fire. There's so many things. I said, a real job nowadays doesn't guarantee that you could wake up in the morning and that job's going to be there. Nowadays, if you could get a job and work nine to five, that doesn't mean that nowadays that you're going to be able to have that steady paycheck, that you're going to be able to have that. Hours can be cut. Job positions are being changed constantly. You never know where you're going to be the next day or where your position's going to be. I mean, i saw it over the years with my company that I worked when I was a broker, it got changed over, merged, and about, I saw about 20 different people get laid off from different changes of us gaining new manufacturer lines and losing manufacturer lines, and that people's positions got lost. So there's never any guarantee in life if you have where you're working for yourself or if you're working for someone else. It's just you have to decide how badly you wanted it and did I get discouraged? Absolutely. Was I devastated? Did it hurt me financially? Absolutely. And I had to get a data part-time job and I'm working 90 hours a week. I mean, I actually started at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, worked until 11 o'clock at night, got home, got on LinkedIn, worked until 1 in the morning, back up at 6 in the morning, and then until I started at 2 o'clock working on my company. You don't get a lot of sleep, but again... I want it, and the only way you're going to get it is you to make it happen. And I was determined. I mean, it's hard. I, I got to tell you, you're going to have some days that you're going to be like, I just can't do this. I don't know if this is going to happen. And then you got to say, you know what? I can't quit. I have too much debt on me.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But also, at the same time, I've put so much into this, and I know People are going to just really like it, and I just had to find that one place, that one person, and that one company that's going to make it happen. And i got to figure out how I'm going to do that, and that's the key. And talking to people, talk to people, find out. Don't put your head in a hole. I mean, think that this is a great product. Listen to broadcasts. Go on LinkedIn. Go on Facebook. Look at food companies. Read magazines. If you're interested in the cookie business, learn everything about the cookie business and how people got their start and then start researching it. That's how you get ahead. That's how you learn.
0: But when you say that kind of getting through the dark times goes back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast, which is you have to really have this commitment and believe in yourself. And that has to be so steadfast that it's the thing that pulls you out of those dark times.
1: Oh, yeah. Cheerleader. I am my own cheerleader. I look in the mirror. And when I say this, it's true. I mean this. When I say, look in the mirror and say, you know what? I have great product. I really know that this is going to happen. And when I say, be your own cheerleader, be your own cheerleader.
0: Tracy, do you, have a, do you have a cheer that you give yourself? <laughs> do you have one that you do in front of the mirror with pom-poms? Do you have something? No, like I
1: that? just look at them like today's the day. I just say <laughs> every day I look at myself. I'm like, today's going to be the day. That's all I say. Today's going to be the day. Today's a good day. Today's
0: going to be that day. Well, I don't think you could be an entrepreneur or a salesperson without doing that every day. People ask me, well, do you think that you can sell it? I'm like, I'm a sales guy. I always think that I can sell it. I always think that they're going to buy it. I never walk into one meeting ever in my whole life thinking, no, nobody's going to buy this. I always walk in thinking it's already a done deal and it's already happened. I don't think that you can be a true salesperson or entrepreneur if you don't have that attitude. If you're wondering, hey, is my product good enough or "Do they are they going to like it? No, you have to be so steadfast because that will come across. It's like jumping on a horse and that horse can tell that you're a little scared and so it starts acting mm-hmm. weird. Oh, yeah. No, when you walk into a buyer meeting and they're looking at you, if you have fear on your face, they're going to smell that and your meeting is over.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the other things that you brought up is when you walk into a meeting and you said it a couple times, dress for success. Don't overdress, but don't under, I can't tell you how many people that I've seen, whether you're doing it, like if you're at an ECRM or if you're doing private meeting showings in a room, or if you're at a table fair, I can't tell you how many people have told me that, wow, when they walk into my room at a business meeting or at, even at a table fair. Or at a food fair, they're like, wow, you have an amazing table, your product. The first thing that people do is they eat with their eyes, then they eat with their nose. Then the last thing is they eat with their mouth and their taste buds. If they hear it, they see it, they smell it, then they eat it. That's the last thing is so if it looks good, if it smells good, they hear it's good, then they already have it in their mind that it's going to be the best thing in the world that they're going to have. But I can't tell you how many people when they walk in the room they say this is amazing. This is what it should be. When you come in, you should have not only dressed apart, have a smile on your face, a smile and happy and excited. Doesn't matter how tired you are and your product should look amazing, refreshed on every meeting, and your table should look amazing. I can't tell you how much of a presentation. It doesn't matter if you're going to a buyer and I go to buyers all the time and I walk in to their office and I already have it in a little jar or something heated up. I will have a napkin plate and they're not just like a cheap little paper plate and stuff. I go and I do these little silver forks and little cups and stuff. Make it look nice. Go that extra effort. These guys and gals sit in their office and you know what? They listen and they have these salespeople come in wow them make that lasting impression
0: and we talk about it all the time on the podcast being professional and keeping it professional and making sure that you're coming across a certain way but lately i've been talking about there's two types of customer experience and i'm talking end user customer experience one they have in the store and then one they have when they get home and they open up what they bought and they either eat it or play with it or use it and they have that experience too and if that experience is poor no matter how great you did in the store that store is in that customer's mind is going to have a kind of a bad rap because this is where I got it. I'm not happy with the experience once I've used it. And I think when you go into a buyer, the same thing can happen is it's all about first impressions. It's all about making the buyer feel special. It's all about being ready and not wasting their time. And so those kind of things can get you over the hump with your product over the other 10 products that maybe they didn't go that extra mile. Like you said, Tracy, maybe they didn't bring a napkin or maybe they didn't bring a fork or some silverware, whatever it is. And they had to stop the meeting and go to the cafeteria and get some utensils and bring it back. And so all those things kill your momentum. All those things kill your opportunity. And then once they're back and they sit down and they resettle, you're nervous now. Now you're thinking, geez, and it's going to affect how things go. So I've seen them. I've been on the table side of really good meetings and really bad meetings. And so those little extra things can make a big difference. Tracy, let me ask you a question because I have some questions down here. So if you had to categorize yourself as a type of person, and I don't have any categories in mind. So if somebody were to ask you, hey, what type of person are you? What would you say to that?
1: Well, I've been categorized as memorable, and I have a nickname, the unsinkable Molly Brown.
0: Okay, well, Titanic references aren't always the best. I know. I like memorable. No matter
1: what you throw at me, I will always get back on my feet. Nothing keeps me down. So I'm very energetic and enthusiastic and memorable.
0: I like memorable because when you said that nobody can push you down, I think, and this is aging me, probably you don't remember these, but Weeble wobbles. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Oh, yes, yes,
1: yes. Weeble wobble, weeble wobble, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I think of that when I think of not being able to be, not being able to push down, you always come back up. But I like memorable. All right, so if you're to like to narrow down your best quality and the one that helps your business be successful, what quality would that be?
1: That is actually a very good question. When it comes to, I'm very organized and great with follow up. So very organized and follow up.
0: And I think those follow up and organized and organization kind of go hand in hand. Um, they really do. Joe said something to me before we met, actually. He said, because you're a very gregarious and affable person and come right up and the conversation's easy. But Joe said, but man, once she gets in the meeting, it's like a whole different Tracy. He's like, it's, you know, it's like it's on. When he was describing you to me, was saying that you had this personality that you share with everybody and you're laughing and everybody's good. But man, once not that you're not happy and fun when you're doing your meeting, but that you just like take it up a whole different level when you're pitching your product. And I think you just spoke to that, right? You dress for the part, Mm -hmm. your place is looking perfect. And you just bring it up a whole nother level. So that's what I always thought about when I was thinking, probably your ability to take it up a level when you need to.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I think that's correct. And then you'll also and then I follow the lead of who's in front of me. If they're looking to like, okay, I need to wrap this up, or they're really enjoying what they're hearing, and then they need more information. I read their body language.
0: And that's a good, I want to ask you this. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions and then we're going to sure. probably wrap it up because I know we started a little bit late and we may have to do a part two. I don't know, Tracy, we may have okay. to do a part two. Okay. I have been in buyer meetings where no matter what you did, I'll actually tell you, I was at a Walmart meeting last year in June when the buyer just yawned like the entire time and looked at their phone. And it was just so distracting because every time I would start to talk, he'd be like, uh, I, like he would just suck me in. I thought I was going to get sucked in. His yawn was so big, and he didn't cover his mouth or anything. He's just like, ah, ah. So, have you ever been in a buyer meeting where the buyer is just so distractingly uninterested?
1: Oh, absolutely. I've had them where they said, actually, why I'm in the middle of doing my presentation. They literally actually take their phone and they actually start texting right in front of me, and don't even say a word. And then they start writing something, and they're just looking around and. I just said, so how's your day going? And I said, so let me ask you this. And then I look at them and I actually ask them a question. I said, so what's your favorite food? What do you like? I actually, instead of talking at them, I actually have them answer a question, a personal question. So then I draw them out of them being bored because they're bored because all they deal is with salespeople talking at them. Instead of talking at them, I want them to be part of the conversation because obviously they don't want me to talk at them. So I say, what's your favorite food? What do you like? What do you do? What's your favorite drink? I take it off topic to draw them out. I find out when I draw them out and when I find out what their favorite item is, then I figure it out and I work it in the conversation of some of one of my items.
0: Tracy, it's like we're kindred spirits. It's like that we've already worked together because when I teach sales, I always say if you lose or losing control of the meeting ask a question. And I said yeah. and it doesn't actually matter what question you ask. You just could say it was the last time you were at the beach. And it could just yeah. be like some totally random question but the second they answer it you're back in the game and you're back in control of the meeting and you can move on. So I love that. I love that you know they're texting and then you ask them about what you know what kind of food do you like? Just one question to get them back engaged and so like I said I couldn't answer that better myself. All right. One more question, and then I'm going to let you wrap it up with kind of the success that you're having right now. But if you took your company, so Millie's Kitchen Creations, what do you think is the one thing that sets your company apart from the thousands of people that are trying to sell food to retailers and to restaurants?
1: It's funny you just asked that because somebody just asked me the, the exact same question. It's a very <laughs> simple. It's interchangeable products. No matter where I go, nobody has any product exactly like it because it's clean label, all natural, and it does multiple uses in my product, whether it's in the restaurant or the retail. It gives you direction on my website of how to do the one, two, three to make different items with it, which nobody's offering.
0: So it's not necessarily an aspect of your company it's actually your offering that is the one thing that sets your company apart from any other company. Because you can answer that question kind of two ways. One of them could be something that your company does or something that your company is. But you're actually, the thing that really puts you guys apart is your offering, which I think is amazing.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the clean label and all natural, I'm not organic. Some of my products are organic. Some of my products are kosher. Do I label that? No, because of the guidelines that are going through That's a whole other podcast, but they're going through changes right now. So one of the things that I like to do is I just say I'm all clean label, all natural, which their products are not like that, interchangeable, and nobody has any products that are like my product. And that makes me unique. And then I step it up and say, hey, let me help you on how to fix it. Then just microwave it or put it in the oven. And that's what people want to know. People want to have fresh product and show how to do different things with it. And that's why some of these other companies are doing well, but they don't necessarily want to buy a $50 kit sent to their home to <laughs> do that. They'd rather just buy something in the grocery store out of the frozen section and say, oh, guess what? Hey, on the back of this, oh, Millie's has a website where I can go. And so when I go there, I don't have to buy this kit with all these different things. When I get home, I can just go on our website and see whatever I have in my kitchen.
0: Yep. Boom. I kind of feel like you pitch your product and then you just do a mic drop and walk out. Yeah. This is it, guys. I got like 10 other meetings right behind this one. And yeah, mic drop. And yeah, call me if you're interested. That's how things are rolling for you. So give us the 30 second, how awesome things are going for you, because we can get into, I know there's a bunch of other, guys. Tracy has been, if you think that you're having a tough time, you're probably not even close to all the different things that have set her business back to zero multitude of times. But maybe we'll get into that on a different podcast. But let's finish it up on a high note. I know you can't mention some of the retailers, but what awesome things are happening right now?
1: So the awesome things are happening right now is, When I can say this, for the last three weeks since I've been at ECRM and some of the other shows and Range Me, I've really worked on the website and so forth. In the last two months, I've now launched to Canada nationwide. I have done 12 items, which I sent over 3,000 cases to Canada two weeks ago. So that is launching and everybody is very excited about that and they're already looking at doing another order. I have three large national restaurant chains that approach me to do private label. I have a food service chain, which is a distributor, National, who's asked me to do private label on 10 items. And I have also have five grocery stores, one of the largest ones in the United States, asked me to do not only my label, but also private label for them. And that you'll see in the next 45 to 60 days.
0: Guys, if you don't know what the definition of that, it's called crushing it. Okay. That's what it's called. (laughs) So from the basement floor to crushing it in five years with all the setbacks you have had is pretty amazing. And again, like I said, my hat is truly off to you. It was such a pleasure to meet you in person and even more to have you on the podcast. We're not going to let you get out of here because you already mentioned it, but there's something I ask all my guests because it's a thing that I've struggled with my whole life. But I want to know, how do you keep it all together? Like what's your one organizational tool that you use to keep it all together and not let anything slip through the cracks?
1: I take notes. So every time I get back from like doing a food show or a meeting, I'm old school. I do folders. So I actually do folders. I do a business card and I take a snapshot, put it in my phone, but I also write it in a folder on the side and then I make notes on that because you never know what's going to happen with it. And then I basically have folders and say, this is week one, week two, and this is what I have to do for follow-up. And I take notes. I just write notes. This is what I didn't finish for today. And I do a note for what I have to accomplish for tomorrow.
0: And you just put that in like a regular notebook?
1: Yes. So each day, so like if I have a checklist. And every time I don't finish that checklist for that day, then I have to say, and then I put in highlights. If I didn't get that done today, then it says, you know what, I have to get it done tomorrow. Then I highlight it in yellow that that's that first thing on the list. That's a month that needs to be done. And then anything that gets carried over and anything that's on those lists for the next day. So I have a five-day and a two-week and a month. And it's all written out. And every time I have to carry something over, it needs to get done. And I just keep doing follow-up. But I do schedules. And it says, this is what they like. This is what they bought. And This is what I forward on, and I just do my follow-ups and just keep after them. And you just say, you know what, I don't mean to bother you, but this is what I've got, and I just want to say, hey. And make sure I got to say this, and I don't mean to keep on and on. But when you send an email to someone on a follow-up, just ask them, just tell me yes or no if you're interested. Because there's nothing worse than bugging somebody on and on.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, that's his. And we talk about that a lot. I mean, it's a lot of effort to follow up with people that don't respond to you or don't say anything. And a lot of times I think people are afraid to get a no. But I did a podcast on the no, wanting to get those no's. Then you can move on from that to somebody who's going to say yes. But I like your approach. Hey, just tell me yes or no. Just tell me yes or no. I don't want to keep
1: bothering
0: you. Right. Yeah. All right. You know what else is interesting is that everybody that I interview mostly is old school with their organizational. They still do it on notebook. And so to me, like writing things down, going back to paper is the new tech almost. That's why all these written planners are blowing up Facebook. And so I think that's what I'm finding is every time I ask somebody, how do you keep it all together? Well, I write it down. Woo, what a concept.
1: I know, right? all these people that i mean i see some people that say well you know i put it in my phone and all that stuff i said well that's great what happens if your phone breaks or it goes in the water or (laughs) it goes on the lake i said what are you gonna do then
0: yeah that's why i have i'm a little anything that's in my phone because i'm an all mac person so if it's in my phone then it's on my ipad then it's on my computer so if my backpack goes in the water then i'm in trouble because everything's in there (laughs) so yeah if the whole backpack goes down then yeah, Tim's back to the Stone Age. All right, Tracy, again, wonderful to have you on the podcast. We'll talk again soon. And guys, big boxers, keep track of the upcoming Flash topics because I'm sure that Tracy's going to be a guest panelist on one of those coming up real soon. Tracy, thanks so much for your time. And we'll talk again soon. Okay.
1: All right. Thanks, Tim. Have a good one. Thanks, people, for listening. And I hope you enjoyed what I had to say. And best of luck for you out there. And like I said, keep smiling and say that you're going to do it. And I know you all can. So good luck
0: said from somebody who's actually doing it, Big Boxers. All right, bye, Tracy. Okay, Big Boxers. Tracy has left the building, and come on, give it to me straight. She did not disappoint, right? She really is the real deal. And for her, at times, getting to where she's gotten, the struggle has been completely real. And I really had a great time meeting her in person, had a great time with her on the podcast podcast, I have no doubt that she's going to be a guest panelist on Flash Topic in the coming months. And I think we'll probably have her back on the podcast just to finish up some of the discussions that we were having just because I think we ran out of time. I hope that you were able to understand where she was coming from. I hope that you were able to get and absorb a little bit of her electricity and her positiveness and the way she approaches business. I hope you're able to take some of that with you. It's important. All of us wake up every day and have to strike out like it's a brand new day. And no matter what happened yesterday or the week before or what's going to happen tomorrow, today is a brand new day. Anything can happen. You can make anything happen. So thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to get introduced to Tracy. I know that she appreciates all of you listening. Thank you so much for being big boxers and supporting the program. If you want to reach out to us, you can on Twitter at TLB Consult. You can reach out to us on Facebook at TLB Consulting. You can join our On the Shelf Now Facebook group, which is just On the Shelf Now on Facebook, and hit join. And then, of course, you can go to our website, TLBConsulting.com, and you can shoot us an email. Some exciting things coming. Our new website, On the Shelf Now, is just about finished. Well, it is finished, but there's a few more finishing touches to it. We're going to have some new social accounts coming that I'm hoping that you guys will get us kicked off with and started and probably be announcing those on our next podcast. All right. Well, listen, great to have some conversations with you. Look forward to next time. Until then, look forward to seeing your products on the shelf.